This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. So a guy asked me today on my way into the radio station, not here, somewhere else, he said, are we fans being too tough on the Steelers for losing these last two games to Denver and San Diego? Are we being overly critical? And I looked at him and I said, no. Not at all. To answer the question, this team should have a better record than 7-4-1. and one. We understood what the issues were going in. But the truth is, even though they were defense was terrible against the Chargers in the second half, and yes, there was a referee factor, and they didn't play badly really against Denver and certainly not Jacksonville, although they're obviously limited, I think the defense up until the second half against the Chargers was on the rise. As I've said to you many times before, this was a defense that was never going to arise to be elite. It may not even rise high enough to be considered good, decent. Coupled with that offense, should have been good. It certainly should be better, both aspects of their game, than to be 7-4-1 and one, and to lose the kind of games that they've lost this year or tied. I hate to use the Bill Cower line about the fine line, but let's remember last year, the Steelers won four consecutive games on last-second field goals by Chris Boswell. And this is not to point a finger at him, although he's had a lousy year. But it just goes to show you the difference between a team's performance and ultimately their record. They were 13-3 and last year. They're not going to most likely come close to that. But the difference certainly is more than just making or not making a last-second field goal. They were in position to do that. But the difference is last year, despite the awful ending, they found ways to win those games. This year, they're finding ways to lose them. So I think fans have every right in the world to be disappointed in this team. Again, you take into account that the defense was never going to be great, but I do think, despite the second half against San Diego and not forcing any turnovers, that the defense from day one has been getting better to an adjusted extent. The offense, if you look at just points per game, has done pretty much what we thought they would do. They turned the ball over too much. But that might be more palatable and not as hurtful if they were balancing out the turnover ratio. 
Ron says, I believe the Steelers have beaten only one team thus far with a winning record. That's true. Baltimore, 7-5. and five. Now, they played teams that had winning records at the time, but as we speak today on December the 6th, that's right. Baltimore, the only one. They can beat the cream puffs. Well, no, they can't, actually. I don't know if Denver's still considered a cream puff. They've been coming on lately with a win streak. But even against the good teams like the Chargers, they easily could have won that game. Can they beat a good team like the Patriots or the Saints? They better worry about beating a bad team like the Raiders. Bob says, I think the Steelers win the division but get a four seed. Defense still isn't there. I don't know what the answers are. If the Chargers can beat Kansas City, the Steelers may get Kansas City at home in the first round of the playoffs. Pray for snow. I think the Steelers have the capability to beat or lose to anybody. That's today's NFL. I kind of think that Bob's got a point. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Patriots, but I think they're more than capable of doing that. But they're also capable of playing really poor football. The difference, and yeah, I mean, the thing that we'll always remember is the playoff loss to Jacksonville. But last year's team, just thinking of the whole season, was more consistent. I mean, they may have played down to opponents, but they found ways to win. This year, they're, again, they say finding ways to lose. At home, almost lost to a bad Jacksonville team and did lose to a mediocre Denver team. I think they are capable with their talent of beating almost anyone, but they're also capable of losing to almost anyone. They're not nearly as consistent as they need to be. Sarcastic Sword joins us now on Saverin on Sports. Hello, Sword. Hey, Stan. I've uh, been out of the loop the last couple of days. I haven't read a, a lot or listened a lot, but I'll tell you, uh, these last two games, um, the way they lost is, is very bothersome. I, I, you know, I think they were beat by the Ravens and, and the Chiefs. I mean, at, at that day, those teams were the better team on the field. These last two, I, I don't think that's the case. I think the Steelers were the better team. Just, you know, you can get down the list of crazy things that happened. It, it was just very annoying to watch them lose like that. I think their defense, especially the front seven, is a, a step ahead of where they were last year. Pass rush in particular by the, by the uh, front three. Uh, you know, I, I think we'll forget about all this. If they're lucky, well, I don't know lucky, but if, if they play their cards right and can get into the playoffs, which kind of wipes the slate clean to be able to forget about a lot of this, it becomes a new season where I think this team is, when they play like they can and we've seen them play, can, can, can beat anybody and go as far as, I guess they want, but getting in there is going to be the trick with the, with what's ahead of them. And I, you know, I certainly don't take the the Raiders for granted. It's going to be as tough a game uh, as as whatever they've had this year, especially the way they're playing at this moment. Until they turn around and have a solid performance with few penalties 
and and things going, you know, like they plan them to go and like they can go. Uh, I think they're, you know, I, I think they're a very good team, but susceptible of, of blunders and and luck, happenstance of the game itself. It's all part of. It's all part of the game, unfortunately. Balls bouncing off people's heads and uh, not catching interceptions and, and, and false starts not being called. That, that's all taking place on that field out there. And uh, <laughs> 22 variables moving around at one time. I, I just, what's happening is what can happen in this game. But I think this game is on the, the upper half of the league and fully capable. Uh, if they keep their feet planted on the ground, uh, of going, uh, going all the way, actually. Well, my issue with them, uh, yeah, they can get in. And, yeah, they, uh, you know, I do think they've got the talent to beat um, anybody. Um, but the question is, in the playoffs, in their circumstance now, they're going to have to win three in a row. And I have not seen them. I mean, they had the five-game winning streak. I don't think they played all that well. Uh, in all of them, certainly in some of them, uh, but I don't know that I've seen the level of consistency uh, because, as we've seen the last two weeks, they're very capable of blowing a game that they dominated. They're very yeah. capable of blowing a game that they should have won. Um, and you know, conversely, if you really stop and think about it, they haven't played really good 60-minute ball for three games. They have every reason and every expectation that they could have and maybe should have lost that Jacksonville game. Um, there are still four to go. You want to be playing your best football right now. I realize after a five-game winning streak, there was going to be a dip. Those winning streaks, uh, usually in the NFL, um, don't go much longer than that. We had a couple of exceptions this year, uh, but I, I just um, uh, you, you just don't you just don't know what you're going to get from them every week, and that's a bad recipe for advancing in the playoffs. Yeah, the last two weeks, those types of games is what usually happens in Oakland. That type of a game where, you know, a team that's not very good gets breaks, whatever you want to call it, just the circumstances of being out there, things like that happen. I, I hope the two weeks have kind of used them all up and that they play solid here this week. We'll see. All right, we'll see. Thank you, Sword. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Um, you know, a lot of people are, are sort of on the fence. Some think that the Steelers ought to be doing better than, you know, their record shows. Some think people think that they're actually, you know, based on what they have, um, are overachieving. Skip says, considering they're missing their best defensive player in Shazier and a weapon like Bell and well into minus territory on turnovers, they're overachieving. Um, but the thing about it is, is that they knew they weren't going to have Shazier um, they thought they were going to have Bell, but would I think they'd be better with Bell than what Connor's done through the first 12 games, but significant enough. And some of the games that they've lost, it really wasn't a matter of offense. I mean, Shazier, they knew they were not going to have them. Mark says, with radio doomsayers like Adam Crowley and Stan Savage, no wonder I listen all week and hear nothing but blame and rhetoric. Well, what you're hearing is analysis and the truth. And like Jack Nicholson said, you can't handle the truth. These are facts. I left my cheerleader's uniform at home. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio.
The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. As great as that is, it's 80 times better when you see the video that goes into that narration by the late and great, and I think one of the building blocks, the popularity of the National Football League, John Facenda. But that was in a different era, when the Raiders were someone to be feared, not laughed at, when they weren't vagabonds traveling up and down the California highway, back and forth from the Bay Area to Los Angeles, and now leaving for Las Vegas. They were a fearsome bunch. And it just goes to show you that some Cases, geography is a major factor in a rivalry. Steelers and Browns being an example of that. Really, it's the competitive aspect that creates great rivalries and some personalities. Could you be any further apart than Pittsburgh and Oakland, California? Pittsburgh and Dallas, not a hop, skip, and a jump, but at the time, they were the two best teams in the NFL. And the same thing with the Steelers and Raiders, only in the same conference. That's what prompted the rivalry and the personalities involved. The Raiders fancied themselves under Al Davis as Raiders. That's why that poem fits so perfectly. They plunder, they pillage. They had some bad actors on that team. Um, and I'm sure that they're, you know, loved to this day in Oakland, in the black hole. But they had some guys, if you know what I mean. But you know what? Take off the black and gold glasses. There were some of those guys with the Steelers back in those years. And I'm reminded that I want to say it was 1977. It was after the big controversy, the George Atkinson's elbow swan in the head game. And that was followed, of course, by the loss in the AFC Championship game without Rocky and Franco. And then the suit, criminal element, and all that kind of stuff. The Raiders, as I recall, I should have looked this up, came to Pittsburgh to Three Rivers to play them in 1977. And it was a regular season game, fairly early in the season, as I recall. But it was a big hype game because it was the Steelers and Raiders and all that had transformed from last year, the Atkinson thing, the lawsuit, criminal element, all that kind of stuff. 
Mel Blount was a holdout that year. So was Lambert. But this all came to a regular season matchup between the Steelers and Raiders. And I remember asking Jack Lambert in the locker room after practice the week leading up to the game, and I asked him about, you know, Otis Sistrunk and, you know, uh, Jack Tatum and George Atkinson. I mean, these guys were... Did I mention Otis Sistrunk? Some of the guys they had on that team. And I asked Lambert about, you know, they tough guys, and they come in, and in between puffs of a cigarette, which many of those Steelers did, by the way, Lambert growled at me, and he said, hey, we don't exactly have 40 angels in here either. Uh, and, you know, that was a stark reality that the Steelers had some guys playing during those early Super Bowl teams before the final two, Ernie Holmes, Glenn Edwards. I mean, he was about as vicious a hitter as you could find, inbounds or out of bounds. Anybody remember his hit on Kenny Anderson of the Bengals? About three yards out of bounds. And, of course, you had the front four, and, hey, Joe Green was known for some ex- extracurricular activity on occasion. And that's what made the rivalry so attractive. That's why beating the Raiders was so much fun. That's why seeing Tom, Tom Wilson get knocked on by Ryan Reeves, two heavyweights, two guys with reps going at one another. That's what made that rivalry. And I know the Steelers haven't won out there in 100 years and all that kind of stuff, although, and I I realize there are some similarities because in a lot of those last three losses, and Ben's never beaten the Raiders there, the Raiders also had bad teams. Remember that Terrell Pryor pass and scramble and run and all those things that happened, the interceptions? I mean, the last quarterback to beat the Raiders in Oakland was Neil O'Donnell. I don't think that matters. I think it's current circumstances now that are important. And after they blew, blew two games, they have to win this game, period. Not just for seeding, but to make the playoff in the first place. Because if the... I don't know if it's miraculous or not. You get the sense that Kansas City's not playing as well as they were early in the year? I do. I don't know what will happen without Kareem Hunt. I know their defense stinks. That's been a constant for the Chiefs. And the Ravens aren't terribly good offensively. But they seem to be a little bit better with Lamar Jackson in there. It's a different dimension. And even though Flacco is practicing, again, Hey, as long as they're winning, Lamar Jackson's going to be their quarterback, and they're getting more comfortable with him in that system. The point is, is that I don't think it'll happen, but I wouldn't be stunned if Baltimore upset the Chiefs, even if it's in Kansas City at Arrowhead. That coupled with a Steeler loss would put the Steelers behind, and if that happens, 
I don't think the Steelers will catch up to them. Momentum's a big thing when you hit the three-quarter pole. And if the Steelers are at all disgusted, and that's what the topic of our show was, should the fans be angry, disgusted, disappointed? And I think, yeah, they should be. Not necessarily over a 7-4-1 record, <clears throat> but the fact that how they got to 7-4-1 after working so hard to get to be 7-2-1. and But if the players are disgusted by blowing that game in Denver, which they did, and blowing that game against the Chargers, which was easily winnable, they were ahead 16 points at the half, then they should go out and take it out on the Raiders. And if they, even if they squeak out a win, to me that's not going to be good enough. And I realize they don't, unless you're betting the game, they don't pay off on the point differential, but I really think they need to establish themselves again. Not that that will help them one iota against the Patriots the following week, but I think they need to reestablish some swagger. If they have any swagger now, it's false bravado. It's whistling past a graveyard. They've lost two in a row, and the truth of the matter is it easily could have been three. As easily as they could have won the last two but didn't, they could have lost the Jacksonville game and managed to avoid that. One final thing about the old Steelers-Raiders rivalry Remember they used to have that superstars competition <clears throat> out in Hawaii? And they would invite whole teams out there. And I remember they had a tug-of-war in the sand between the Steelers and Raiders. And I was talking with Jack Ham because Jack and I worked together for five years doing Steeler preseason games. And he was telling me, he said, the Steeler players... I mean, you have rivalries, you know, and rivals. He said, but the Steeler players general, genuinely hated the Raider players because all that went down, the cheap shots. He said he went out to one of those superstars competition and somehow ended up in a group that included Phil Villapiano. Remember him, the outside linebacker, number 41 from Bowling Green. And he, Jack told me, he said, Villapiano's a great guy. So we ended up being big-time friends. So I don't know anybody who would want to be friends with Otis Sistrunk, but he said Villapiano was really a good guy. So they're human beings, too. I would imagine maybe even a Philadelphia Flyer. Nah. 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 Guy Junker joins me next. We've got a special guest coming up at 120. We'll be talking Steelers and the baseball shifts. And our special guest at 120, that's directly ahead, Saverin on Sports. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Stan and Guy, hey, love the show, dude. That's absolutely right. It's Stan and Guy back together again. Here's Stan Saverin and Guy Junker. Just been working and ready. And uh, like I said, I just wait on the call. And so uh, things happen. It's a long season, man. 16 games and, you know, four postseason games. It's a long year. So um, that's why you have to have two or three backs. So um, however it comes, when it comes, you have to be prepared and you have to go out there and you have to handle business. So my role is to step in there and fill in this week, here and there, however many carries. I'm team guy and I'm ready to go. 
That is Stephen Ridley, who's going to get some action and uh, presumably a number of carries Sunday in Oakland and beyond for however long James Conner is out. It's Stan and Guy Day. Love the show. It's brought to you by Shindorovich, Shindorovich, and Fishman. Guy, the question I'm asking, let's start with, before we get to the running game, Steelers are 7-4-1. I think a lot of people expect better, especially when you look at the way they lost the last two games, but were we underestimating their deficiencies? So, like they said in Animal House, I put it to you, Greg. Uh, <laughs> um, are they a 7-4-1 team, or should they be better than this? Uh, I think they should be a little better than this, not a lot better. I think last year, Stan, everything went right. All those games won by field goals at the last minute. They, they were. I don't think they were as good as a 13-3 and record would show. I think they're a little better. They should never have tied that opening game in Cleveland, and they shouldn't have blown that game Sunday night against the Chargers. Give me those two wins, and I'd say they're about where I think they should be. Uh, your expectations of them in the summer, when you thought Le'Veon Bell would join them at some point in the season, that changes things a little bit. I actually think defensively they have rebounded some. If you look at what they did last year after Ryan Shazier got hurt, they were not the same team. Uh, it's no surprise that to me that they lost to Jacksonville in the playoffs, a team that beat them up here in the regular season. And I think even at the start of this year defensively, they were a lot worse than they are at present. I think they've they've shored some things up defensively and are a little better there than I thought they were going to be. If you take away the second half against the Chargers up until that point, yes. they, they were getting better. You know, no question about that. And you're allowing, you go over a stretch of games where you're allowing about 18 to 22 points a game. In today's NFL, that that's playing. Well, you're not going to have total shutdown defenses the way we saw in the 76 team or, or things like that. I mean, that, that's not going to happen anymore. But overall, I, I, I think they're about, uh, the Cleveland, like I said, Give me, give me a win last Sunday night and give me a win in that opener against Cleveland, and I'd be perfectly fine with where they are. Well, it's, um, uh, it just, it's so fresh in your, your, your mouth, the games against Denver uh, and San Diego, and certainly at halftime. They should have lost the way. Jacksonville game. Well, right. So, so that I, maybe, I look at that and, so and balance one of those these two out yeah. maybe. And then there's no guarantee if Ben doesn't throw that interception in Denver that they win that game in overtime no. anyway. You know, the way things are going, they might not have kicked the extra point to send it to overtime. And I'm not saying that to be a smartass. I mean, that, it's true. Five missed extra points this year. I mean, so so I, I think those are a bit of a bit of a wad. But Sunday night, really, just that is, uh, that's. Uh, when you dominated the game, and yes, there were outside influences on that. I mean, no one can deny that. I'm surprised that we haven't heard anything from the league because it used to be they would call an organization and say, we're sorry. Well, Tomlin said if they did, he wasn't going to reveal it anyway. Right. This press conference. You know what? I haven't heard talk about. I, I'm the one who asked him that question. I, I know because Cower, you know, would always say he couldn't wait to tell you. Yeah, oh, like, oh, oh. Mike Pereira yeah. called me. Yeah, he said, "Don't put pictures in the in the official shirt anymore." Um, I think that uh, that the taste of that one. It's going to be interesting to see if they can rebound from that in a place where, I mean, they've been terrible in Oakland historically. And I'm glad Tomlin at least addressed that. I, I know he's only concerned with this group, and this, but but it has been a tough place to go. Tomlin's record, I, I figure he is 3-9, and nine, Stan, in his career as Steelers head coach in games played in Mountain and Pacific time. They're terrible out there. And I don't know if you talked about this on your show. We've often talked about how warm it was when the Chargers came in here and upset them in the AFC championship game. 
two things, and I'm not, this is an excuse for blowing a 16 point lead at home, but two things really ended up working in their favor. That game getting flexed to a night game where the, where the time difference, you play a one o'clock game and you're a West coast team, your body clock's still on 10 o'clock in the morning and they, uh, Historically, West Coast teams struggle one o'clock games in the East. Although that's why they came in on Friday. That that is why they came in on yeah. Friday. But but they didn't wouldn't have had to. And then the combination of fifty eight degree kickoff in December in Pittsburgh, um, you know, so that those those are I haven't heard anybody talk about that. But we always talked about that AFC title game. You expect the because they always show those records of the Chargers or the Niners or whoever when they come in here, what they are when the kickoff is below 30, and it's terrible. It's a fact. Um, it, it's not an excuse. It, no, it, just it, as it's it is a, fact a fact that it's tough to play in Denver with the altitude, and it's tough to go out west if you're a, uh, an East Coast team. I will say this about the cold weather. I don't know that it would bother them initially, but if you're getting your butt kicked 23-7 to 7, and the one touchdown you did get, was referee aided and it's cold and now it's 10 o'clock at night and it's 18 and human nature it's a lot easier to shut it down and say let's yeah okay you know we'll still be eight and four you know you're not you're not (laughs) saying that but no it's you know especially if you're one of the linemen you know and you're your hands are freezing and everything else but whatever um uh, of course you know the warm weather didn't wasn't helping him when it was twenty three to seven. I no. I think you look at this team and and you look at the games that they have blown, and I I do think you're right. Last year they were more consistent in their efforts, in their performances, not effort, in their performances. Because you're going to win if you're thirteen and three, you're going to win some games when you didn't play well, but you're going to find a way to win those games. This like a pitcher year, when he doesn't have his best stuff and still yeah. toughs it out and knows. And, they, and Boswell kicked a field goal and they won four in a row. Not all those games were prime examples of great play, but this year they're inconsistent in their performances and they're not coming up with that one play, that one stop, that one turnover. I mean, I put that on the defense. No, the uh, Hayden uh, almost interception is the perfect example. Of that not only don't don't they get the interception, it turns into a touchdown. touchdown. And they might have gotten one anyway, but the point is they certainly could have used a turnover. And I, we had some people on the post game show, you know, who are you know emotional. So was I because I just wanted to go home. Uh, <laughs> I, I listened very to right emotional. up too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, thank I you was, very much. I was driving home. Okay, good. Well, you beat me. Um, they were criticizing Sean Davis, the guy trying to make a play, uh, something he has not done nearly enough of this year. It's one of their problems. Uh, we thought that Sean Davis was going to be better at free safety than strong. Maybe he is, but the free safety, he's supposed to make those kinds of plays. He's supposed to be the center fielder. He's supposed to be Mike Wagner. He's supposed to roam back there, and if not intercept the ball, at least get your hands on it. Passes defensed. Um, what did Rivers throw, 40, whatever it was, 45 times? Sean Davis had one pass defensed. It's not good enough. Yeah. Well, a lot of what they're doing isn't good enough if you look at the overall picture. The inability to create turnovers is mind-boggling. To be near the bottom of the league, and and, and I think they are second last in interceptions, I believe. Uh, you know, it, 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 And the worst ratio of any team with a winning record in the league. Yeah. I mean, the teams that they're around in those departments are teams that are not going to make the playoffs. They're going to go in with Ridley. And Jalen Samuels. 
And losing James Conner is a big loss. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat that, minimize it, even though his production um, has been down in the last three weeks, really going back to when he got hurt. I don't think enough people are talking about the concussion. And it forced him out of the game in Carol- against Carolina, and he was in the protocol. Be that as it may, a lot of people point to, well, the production dipped after they knew that Le'Veon Bell wasn't coming back. Maybe they've run the ball so infre- so infrequently because they said, we got to protect James Conner. We don't want him. But what happens? He actually got injured on a pass play. My biggest issue is not who runs the ball, but how much they're running it. And if you really want to look at sort of a backhanded compliment, maybe the loss of Connor won't be as significant because they're only running the ball 13, 14 times a game anyway, which Stan, I think is terrible. Yeah, I do. I mean, they came out in Denver. All right, you got a healthy James Conner. What do they do? The first, first series of the game, which is pretty much scripted, they didn't run the ball once. Now, the field goal gets blocked. But they, I think they nine or ten passes on that drive, and they were moving the ball okay. But he, they didn't use him one time. He has less; it's less than two hundred yards rushing over his last four games, and he's dropped a cut. Look, I'm I'm not ripping on him either, but I'm saying that the people that are gnashing their teeth and ah, they're going to win without him. The last month, really, he hasn't done that much. Less than two hundred yards rushing over four games. The, the Jacksonville game, he, he could have cost him the game with the two drops, the big one on fourth down, and then the other one would have been a short touchdown that they ended up getting anyway. And the fumble the, the in fumble Denver. In Denver the, the, the fumble in Cleveland. I mean, so it hasn't been a perfect season for him. Look, people root for him more than they do the average person because, A, he's fairly local, did play at Pitt, beat cancer, all those things make him a guy you're going to root, I think, a little extra harder for than if he was just some guy they drafted from Alabama who grew up, you know, down south or something. But that still doesn't erase the fact that he's the best they have. He is the best they have, but it does your original premise about not using him, That that's why – for example, I always see these stats about, well, when Ben Roethlisberger throws more, it used to be more than 30 times, and their record was terrible. Now that's more like 40 just because of the way the game's played. But I was looking up. They have thrown – how about these numbers? When they've been winning this year, they've thrown 199 passes. When they've been losing, they've thrown 228. That's only a couple passes more per game when they're losing than when they're winning. They're throwing the ball all the time anyway, whether they're winning or those those numbers. You can say, oh, they throw over more. He throws for more than four hundred yards. They lose. He throw. Nah, they're throwing the ball all the time, whether they're winning or losing. That no longer is a is a stat that matters to me. Well, uh, usually when you're throwing fifty times a game, which they've done a couple times this year, that means you're losing. You're yeah. behind. Um, that is receding because that's the way they choose to attack. Right. My big issue with Connor, no denying the fumbles and the drop passes, but you talk about 200 yards rushing. The only game where the run was getting stuffed was the first half against Jacksonville. They went away from it. They were down 16 to nothing, and they were having no success. You can't keep banging your head. But if you look, for example, in the Charger game, four yards per carry. Is that Hall of Fame? No, but it's not bad. It's not like it's 2.2 yards per carry. I go back to the Denver game. I think it was 3.9. At one point, it was over four. So my point is, is that they're getting away from the run for no good reason. The Jacksonville game, I fully understand, wasn't working. But the other games, hey, nothing wrong with a four-yard run. No. Well, the other... 
And Oakland in today's NFL, is the worst is. run defense in the NFL. I'm anxious to see what they do. I also think, Stan, a part of their defensive issues in the second half have been way too much time. I don't know what their time of possession is for the year, but it seems to me that the defense is on it because even when they are moving the ball through the air, they're not taking a lot of time off the clock. And it seems like I think their defense wears down a little bit in the second half. I think it's been a little bit uh, part. No, not you know. I'm not going to blame the San Diego game completely on that, but I think that's part of the issue too. I I, I personally know everybody the day after the Kansas City Rams Monday night game. Oh, did you see that game? What a great, ah, It was fairly entertaining, but to me, it's arena ball outside, and I know that's the way the league is going. But I don't find that you know. I actually kind of liked the Jacksonville game because it was such a pulling teeth. You couldn't get a yard. You couldn't do anything. And you finally play one quarter of offense and you win the game. That was a little more old fashioned. I understand it's not the way it is now, but I, I kind of enjoyed that. I don't want to see 50 to 45 games. Me personally. <clears throat> no, I, I think, you know, although some point out, if there's room for a 20 to 16 Steeler Jacksonville game, there may be room for quote, an occasional Kansas city, LA Rams game at 54 to 51. And I, you know, I thought the game against the Chargers, despite the way it ended, was tremendously oh, it was entertaining. A, yeah. Game It was a it great was. football game. It was, but I still think that they're uh, they're they're abandoning the run for no good reason. Now, the the positive in that may be it may minimize the effect that it will have without James Conner. Now, well, I look at it this way: I I I'm, I always liked Ridley. I mean, as not as a regular guy, but I think you can. And Jalen Samuels is a hybrid. I mean, he was in college. That touchdown they scored to tie the game showed me a lot. I, I'm watching that develop. I'm like, there's no way he's cutting that corner. I didn't think he was going to be able to do it. I couldn't agree with you more. And I he, thought the same thing. I had no idea that he had that kind of speed. Right. So to if, get you, the if you throw to him a little bit out of the backfield, and Ridley can at least get you to four yards here and there when you need him. If you're gonna, I heard you, <laughs> I heard you in the press box boob out. I thought Todd Haley was back as the offensive <laughs> coordinator of this team when they were throwing inside the the red zone so much there, but. Um, I, Look, are they going to win a Super Bowl with these guys? Uh, they got to go out and figure out a way to beat Oakland with these guys, though. And I don't care what their past history has been out there. And look, Derek Carr hasn't thrown a pick in what seven games, and they they gave Kansas City all they could handle last weekend. You got to figure out a way to get this done. When you're looking at, at Tom Brady and Drew Brees coming up the next couple weeks, you, you lose this game, you may not make the playoffs. Yeah, no, there's no question. Uh, there's no question, especially if Baltimore pulls off an upset in Kansas City, and I don't think that's out of the realm possibility. It'd be surprising, but I... I uh, Kansas City's defense is suspect, but Mahomes, he's having such a great year. At some point, he'll... Look, if Drew Brees can go to Dallas and get the shut down for a night, somebody can shut Mahomes down at some point, too. It can happen. They better hope it doesn't happen in January because, you know, the thing about that is now you get into playoff football, now it is 18 degrees and the wind's howling. Yeah. And if you're going to rely on that... I still think it's a different world, but I still think that Kansas City's defense will keep them out of a championship. I just don't think you can play that poorly on defense. Um, all right, that's our Steeler discussion. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio.